Welcome to the podcast of the Renew Community. We strive to be a Jesus community who cares about the things Jesus cares about. As we adapt in this season of pandemic, we are meeting in our house churches in person and online as a primary space for worship, formation, connection, and encouragement. Teachings like this are one way we engage with scripture seeking to become more like Christ. These teaching podcasts also serve as a conversation starter for deeper engagement at House Church. We're glad you're listening. One of my favorite things about the season that's coming up, the fall, is sitting around a fire pit or a bonfire at night. There's something amazing that happens when you have an opportunity to be in the dark around a fire. Um, It always seems like friends that are gathered laugh deeper. Uh, They have conversations that are so much more vulnerable. There's something so brilliant about being around the fire pit. It's completely dark outside and people's faces seem, well, they seem almost to have like the Imago day that just pours out. Each person, their face seems to burst this, this hidden shell into those places. Um, Conversations always seem to be much more vulnerable around the fire pit at night. And I some I know some of you are already thinking about the flannels and the fire and the pumpkin spice latte, and you can't wait to get out of the heat. You can almost smell the leaves and feel the cold air on your face. But there is something terrifying and amazing that happens on those nights when we're sitting around the fire pit. And it happens when we walk away from the fire. Uh, when our eyes are adjusted to the light and we turn and we go back into the dark, we are blinded by the darkness that's right in front of you. That, and our eyes have become so adjusted to the light that when we turn and we begin to walk away, it's so easy to stumble. And I believe that this metaphor is an important one as we think about John 18 through 19. And as we think about what the disciples are experiencing in this moment, that that this man that they've spent all these years with, all these times with, that they've journeyed up and down uh, Israel with, that they've been in boats with, that they've camped with, that they've shared meals with, they've hung around the light and the light is extinguished and they can't see, and they're blinded by the darkness. It, it echoes back to the beginning of John, as it says, and the, the world has seen a great light, and the, and the darkness has not overcome it. But this is the moment when it seems as if the darkness is overcoming the light. And so that's John 18 and 19. It's hard to believe that we've been journeying through John for quite some time, and we're almost at the end that we've journeyed from the poetic beginnings through the feasts and the healings and the teachings and the trouble that Jesus gets in with the law. We can almost taste the water turned into wine. We, we can almost find ourselves sitting on the, on the stool next to Nicodemus and Jesus and listening in on that conversation. We can be with him by a well hanging out with the woman um, that we, we also recognize how he slowly is revealing himself to his disciples in the crowds and people are walking away excited or confused or angry. Jesus feeds multitudes. He calms storms. He sets adulterous women free. He pushes against the religious establishment. He heals on the wrong day. He breaks laws. He touches the untouchable. 
Jesus taught, he loved, he ate, he wept, he got tired, he was thirsty, he was hungry, he laughed, he prayed, he healed, and he raised his friend from the dead. He washes the feet of his disciples. This Jesus is human. This is God with us. This is where we understand Jesus's middle name is with Emmanuel, God with us. And this week, we come to the passion, the betrayal, the trial, the beating, the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior. And so I'm teaching out of chapters 18 and 19. And this story doesn't need any help from me because all of history past, all of history that's present and all the future history hinges on this story. This is the story of history. And it's in this story that we as followers of Jesus find our identity it's in this story that we receive salvation. It's in the story that we fully see what great love God has for us. And so in the telling of the story, I recognize that you all will be reading chapters 18 and 19 in house church this upcoming week. And so I'm not I just want to help bring about some pieces within John that are going to help us to read the story a bit differently. And so this is the opportunity that we have this, as you're listening to, to check out what other pieces are coming. And some of this helps us get into the mind of the first century hearers, of people who are hearing the story for the first time, or people who understand the culture. And for us, it can be really lost. We, we can slice and dice a lot of the story. But I want us to just pay attention to one thing within the story of John that is brought out in bold and big ways in chapters 18 and 19. And so if we think back to the beginning of the book of John, um, Jesus sees John the Baptist and John the Baptist gives Jesus his first title. He says, behold, the lamb of God. And one of the big stories that's happening in John is that of the Passover. It is like the backdrop that continues to, to come back and come back and come back. There are three Passover feasts that Jesus is present at. And the third one is the one in which he is crucified. And so what is the Passover? Well, it's this day that symbolizes God saving Egypt from Israel from Egypt. It is the most, it is the holy holiday where Israel remembers being in slavery. And they, they also have this opportunity where they, they come and as a nation, they sacrifice a lamb. And as a nation, they, they're remembering the story of the killing of the firstborn and the, the ultimate deliverance. And it's also the day where the people of Israel look forward to the ultimate kingdom and the ultimate king being established upon the throne. And so let's think back to the story a bit. And so Passover has its roots deep within this little sleepy town called Bethlehem. And Bethlehem for the Jews was this little town right on the, right on the outskirts of Jerusalem and in Jewish, it's known as the house of grain. In Arabic, it's the house of blood. 
And in Bethlehem, we have these two slopes. And on one slope, we raise barley. On the other slope, we raise sheep. And so to think about the fact that the bread that is used for um, for people's food, and it's also used for the priests and for the temple procedures, is made there. And so are the sheep that are sacrificed there. And so sacrifices are held every day at the temple, and every day they would use sheep from Bethlehem. The temple would open around, open up at 9 a.m., and we would at 9 a.m. you would start to see the smoke, you would smell the sheep, it would smell kind of like a barbecue. And so two lambs were sacrificed a day. But we, when we have Passover, Jerusalem swells from 30,000 to 300,000 people. So imagine a place that is completely packed to the hilt. And it's in this, this, everyone is coming to make a sacrifice. And so the lamb was what most of us in the middle class would be able to afford. And the rich would sacrifice a calf. The poor would sacrifice pigeons, um, which is interesting to think that, or a dove. And to think that the symbol of the Holy Spirit is not an eagle or something majestic, but it's the trash bird. It's the bird that the poor would use. Side note, but if you can't afford a pigeon, you would sacrifice sacrifice a pancake. And so if we think about it, there are tons of lamb, tons of money, and tons of blood that are happening that, that, that is just going on during this entire week um, of, of Passover. And so on Palm Sunday, uh, it, that is the procession of the lambs. And it's the first day after the last Sabbath before the Passover, the shepherds would lead the sheep into Jerusalem. And Jesus showed us that he was the perfect lamb, that the high priest is sitting there inspecting the lambs and he selects the Paschal lamb. And as it's tied up and inspected for the whole week, what brings Passover to a close is the sacrifice of the Paschal lamb. Now, not just any lamb. We need to understand that all of us, uh, we would be, our families, we would, we would purchase a lamb. And that lamb would be something that, 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 would, that we would be with during the duration of this week. But we need to understand a little bit about lambs. When lambs were born, if they were bad, if they did not meet the expectations, they were killed. And so many lambs didn't make it. Um, and shepherds would have these orphaned lambs and they would, they would try to figure out how do we imprint orphaned lambs on ewes? How do we get them a mom so that they can stay alive? And so sheep use their sense and the smell, and that's how they would be able to, to, have this, to have this orphan lamb be with this ewe and be adopted into her family. And so they had a few different ways that they would, that they would work to, to make this happen. And one is they would swab the placenta fluids on the back of the lamb. And it wouldn't work all the time. Um, and so another option they would have is they would take, they'd have the skin of the previous lamb that died and they would swab it, and then that might work. The other thing that, they, that would work all the time is that they would wash the orphan lamb in the blood and the birth of the dead lambs. And so this is significant to us. And so why are these lambs coming an entire week early? Why wouldn't you just show up that day, buy your lamb, present it, and you're good to go? Well, because there is this opportunity that everyone had to, and this, this custom that we all had to go through, where we had to live with our lamb for four days. We needed to live with it. We needed to love it. We needed to care for it. We needed to play with it. 
I need to prove to the high priest when he asks me, do you love this lamb that I do? And so all of us, we would go to the temple and we'd carry our lambs on our shoulders. And when it becomes my turn, I would take it off my shoulders. I would present it to the priest. And then I'd have to pass the test. Is this a sacrifice from the heart? If I laugh, he would give me another chance. But he asked me three times, do you love this lamb? Because the priest needs to see that I am in relationship with this lamb, that I love this lamb, that this is a sacrifice from my heart. And so we need to understand as Jesus is going through the, the trial and, and when he's sitting with Pilate and people are, are chanting, crucify him. And when he is in front of the high priest, that, that this is what's happening in the temple, that these people, that the people of Israel are presenting their lambs. And that also what's happening is that, that, that the priest is getting ready to sacrifice the paschal lamb, the lamb. And so at 3 p.m., Jesus says the great last words. He says, it is finished. And it's at that exact time that the high priest would finish the work of sacrificing the paschal lamb and say the words, it is finished. And so in this story, as we read 18 and 19, we have to keep this idea and the image of of what's happening in all of Israel. That as we, as you and I are coming to present our lambs, that the lamb of God to take away the sin of the world is being presented on the cross. That at 3 p.m. when Jesus lays his head and says, it is finished, that in that same moment, there's this alternate story of the Passover happening just a few hundred yards away in this other place. That one is in the beautiful space of the high temple and the other is in the, is in the trash heap next to the city. And so there's this other really interesting story that we see that, can, that comes out just by, by reading some other texts. And it's that the, the priestly garments, they're recycled in two ways. The first one is they would be recycled back to the shepherds as swaddling cloths for newborn lambs. And they would also be used as burial cloths for bodies. And so shepherds would wrap up lambs and they would place them in mangers. And friends would wrap their loved ones in swaddling cloths and place them in the tomb. And so it's interesting as we begin to think about Jesus is born in death cloth. And so as we think about all of this different stuff, I think it's important for us to remember that we must be in relationship with the Lamb. This is the story that has come to us from, from generation after generation after generation, that men and women have given their lives to Jesus, that we have recognized that what he did on the cross was sufficient and was more than enough for everything that we need. And so it's amazing to think that when the paschal lamb is slaughtered at 3 p.m. and the high priest says it is finished, that Jesus is uttering those same words. And so we think about those words, it is finished. 
These three words, my friends, are for us. These are not words of defeat, but these are words of victory. It is finished is where sin, where sin's death grip melts. It's where shame runs and hides. It's where fear slinks back into its dark hole. It's where faith is emboldened, where lives are transformed. It is finished. And so brothers and sisters, as you are reading this passage, as you are sitting with Christ, maybe you're Peter hanging outside of it, or maybe you're John walking in and being with Jesus in these moments, but wherever you might be, may you hear these words, it is finished. And may that embolden your faith. And I pray that that actually helps you to throw your faith, the faith in Christ even more. And I want to, I want to finish with this one last thought. John writes the book Revelations. And one of my favorite images and metaphors that I see in Revelation is an echo back to what John the Baptist calls Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God. And John is having this vision and he has this moment where he says, Behold, I see a lamb, but I hear a lion. And so brothers and sisters, it is finished is a victory roar from the lamb who sounds like a lion. So as we go about this week, as we read this story, as we allow this story to read us, my prayer is that our sin would begin to just melt off. I know that in these last few months, there's been a lot of difficult, hard situations that have happened. But my friends, I want to remind you that it is finished, that Christ is victorious, that sin no longer has a hold on us, that shame no longer can run our lives, that fear has no place in us. My prayer is that in the season to come, that our faith is emboldened, that our lives are transformed, that we begin to respond to this God of mercy and love in ways like we never have before. So if you're not a follower of Jesus, or if you feel like your faith has just been slipping and you've been having a really difficult time in this season, I just want to encourage you to throw your faith to Jesus, to trust him, to trust that there's no other way in which you can get your life straightened out or cleaned up or fixed up outside of Christ. May you recognize that as as the work that has been done on the cross is not just for the people back then, but it's for us. And it's not just for us, but it's for the world. And so brothers and sisters of the Renew community, may you be reminded that this story is the story that we have been entrusted with to tell our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers. This is the story that our world so desperately needs to hear. Not another political figure, not another hope, but the hope. The person of peace, Jesus Christ, is the only way and the truth and the life. And so I want to encourage us this week as we go into Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, may we be inviting the Holy Spirit, the prayer that Jesus prayed for us, that we would begin to live into that, that we would tell the world of how loved they are and what free whole life can look like. I hope you have a blessed week. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Renew Community. This in no way should replace the formation within a community of Jesus followers. If you are looking for a church, 
would like more information about Renew, or would like to give financially to this ministry, check out our website at renewcommunity.org.